Well, hey, everybody, welcome back. This is Dan Doctor and my good friend and brother in the Lord, Shane Ruther. And we're just here to talk a little more about Jesus tonight. And uh, we want to, you know, just make this word uh, relevant. And actually, we don't make it anything. We just let God do it. Um, His word is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, able to divide even soul and spirit and bone and marrow. And it's a discerner of the hearts of men. That's Hebrews 4 and 12. That's one of my favorite verses in the scripture. There's a lot of favorites, though, so... Uh, before we dive into the word for tonight, which will be just, we're going to talk about Second uh, Timothy, starting with verse eleven, and on through verse fifteen, and maybe a little more. But we'll we're just going to let God unpack the word, which is really our desire is to let Him speak through us and and just blow up this living word, so that um, you, the hearer, can come away from this time knowing that you've been in the very presence of the living God. It ain't nothing about me. It ain't nothing about Shane. It's it's really about Jesus and his desire to speak to your heart. So That's right. let's pray. You want to take us into the with some prayer? Absolutely. <clears throat> Father God, thank you for the opportunity that we've got tonight to reach out to, to the general public and just uh, lift your word up, share it with those who need to hear it. Lord, we ask that you, that you bless this effort and... Um, guide us to where you need us to go and um, if anyone out there is needing to hear this word tonight lord we ask that you guide them to us and um, help us to direct this word in a way that's pleasing to you and uh, we pray this in jesus mighty name amen amen Amen. well done all right so um one of the ministries that i do i get the really awesome pleasure of doing is a place called HOD, House of Disciples. Shout out to my brothers out there. And uh, it's a place where um, people go, uh, brothers, men, um, that have really kind of crashed and burned from the drug life or alcohol and, and been on the streets and whatever the problem or the addiction is. That It's an, it's a place where they're kind of supernaturally put up where they don't have to deal with the rigors of the outside world. And um, they learn how to apply the Word of God. In a, in a daily level, they work and stuff like that, but they're not making money from, from their labor. They're just basically um, supporting the ministry and, and their food and table and clothing, and they get legal help. And they get so much awesome help that um, it really gives them opportunity to get their life on track. But it's the application of God's word. And, that you know, I've been doing that ministry, I'm going to say, rolling up on 14 years probably. And, wow. uh, and it's just been this super pleasure for me such a learning experience for me a humbling experience because when i go there here's here's what happens is different than any bible study in any big church that i've ever been to is that there's no plastic faces there's no there's no fake in it and trying to pretend like you got it all together these guys crashed and burned they know that i know and guess what that's where i came from too that's why god has me involved in that ministry but it, because all of that pretense can be set aside and guys are just serious about, hey, you just tell us the truth about Jesus, that he shows up in that environment. And it is the most amazing thing. Every week, unfailingly, Jesus Christ shows up and he unpacks this word. So I go in there sometimes with a lesson prepared, but that's prayer, actually. And most of the time I go in there and I just try to listen to what God is saying go where he wants to go in the word. Sometimes the guys direct the Bible study, 
but oftentimes I'll just be, you know, reading through something and it'll strike me, wow, this would be good to share. Or I'll just flip the pages and where the word lands, start reading, and it's like, boom, this is what God wants to talk about tonight. And that was the case with this Bible study that we're going to do again tonight on 2 Timothy chapter 2, 11 through 15. All right. So I, I gave this to, to Shane early in the week, and yep. he's been a, a, a workman doing yes. the work. Um, I had spent a lot of time in Second Timothy. Uh, I mean, and it's it's such a it's such a touching book. Um, the whole thing is it's <clears throat> the you know the setup basically for it is that Paul is writing to his his disciple Timothy, who he very much he cherishes Timothy, hoping for the absolute best for him. And Paul has been abandoned. He has. You know nobody really, and Paul got that a lot. But um, but he he was really kind of knowing that he was coming to the end of his of his life, and um, there's multiple stints in prison, and he was just you know had been you know beaten down um, by by everything. But he did still have Jesus standing with him in prison, and um, that is the greatest thing about this story is that Jesus never abandoned him, never, never left him and, uh, kept his spirits up, you know, while he was, while he was going through this. But, but it's a, it's a intimate and vulnerable Paul that we hear in, um, in this book. And it is, uh, he touches on a lot of different things that we're going to kind of get into tonight, but, um, it is a very, very, very good book. And, uh, all right. So here we go. If you have your Bibles handy, or maybe your Bible app on your phone, maybe you'd like to turn and read for yourself as we go, and it would probably mean more to you if you can do that. Yep. Um, I have a couple of different versions of Scripture here. I, um, I've got the King James Version in a Bible. And I read the ESV. So. And I've got a New Living Translation on my phone app. But I, I'm not one of those guys, <clears throat> matter of fact, I'm kind of anti one of those guys that... Um, believes that there's just this one version of Scripture that we should right. be reading from because that that's just another way of marginalizing. I kind of tend to look at things that divide and things that bring people together. And not everything that brings people together, if it's for wicked purposes, is God. But um, in the house of, of God, in the body of Christ, um, I'm looking for things that unify rather than things that divide. And just doing the homework, which you're going to learn about that in 2 Timothy 2.15, I won't jump ahead on that, but uh, you know it's just about doing your homework, basically. You look back at the the Bible translated into English. So, if you really want to know what the Word of God is about, that is um, direct from the mouth of the writer. You have to study Aramaic, Hebrew, and Greek. Yep. Most of the Old Testament is all written in Hebrew, some Aramaic, and then the New Testament is written in Greek. Yep. And so those are, are good Bible studies, and we should actually get to that place. I'm beginning to cross that bridge now. We're trying to learn more and more about, uh, you know, like, for example, Yeshua HaMashiach is actually the name of Jesus, the Messiah, yep. in Hebrew. Yep. Um, and so if we look at different versions of Scripture while we're studying this out, we'll be able to kind of make a more well-rounded um, understanding from, from the scriptures. And there are a few versions of scriptures that are heretical. And um, you've got to be yes. careful with that because there's some, you know, 
homosexual community, for example, has put together a Bible that's removed all of the masculinity from God. Well, that's heretical because God has chosen to identify himself in the masculine. That's right. And we don't get to reinterpret that to make a God that fits what we want. Creating God in our image is where the human race has been in trouble, and every cult religion tries to do that. That's so true. We just want to learn who he is and what he has to say and and who we are in him and what he wants for us to do in this life. Yeah, and just a little at addition to that, um, digging into the scripture and learning and reading exact with the Hebrew and the Greek, it's it's a whole lot easier to not be led astray by because there are tons of false teachers out there right now twisting the word of God. And if you're not reading it, and learning, you know, what what the differences are, then you can get caught up in that real easy. And, so. and, and this very lesson is, is actually something that's going to help you uh, sharpen your sword yes. and your mind in that regard. Um, what you were just touching on reminded me of uh, actually what I was reading this morning. I just finished Revelation this morning, um, and it got to the very end of the book. And I've, this is, you know, something I've read many times, but um, it, it's worth repeating that, in the end of the book of Revelation, there's a curse placed upon those that would change the word of God. It says right in there, Whosoever shall addeth or taketh away from this word, all the plagues in this book shall be added unto him, and his name shall be taken away from the book of life. So those are very serious curses that's placed on you know, purposeful in misinterpretation of God's word. Yeah. So we need to handle this thing carefully yes. and... And believe me, um, as a minister, I'm, I'm feeling doubly accountable. So the things I say, I want to be careful that I'm presenting you truth. And it's crazy because we're living in a world of lies, and we're trying to navigate through it and, and expose the truth. And so many of us have been so programmed by this world that some of the things that I'll say are going to be very controversial, and they're going to like shatter some paradigms and, and get people to take a look at their worldview. Like, what? What did you just say? <laughs> And, exactly. and believe me, I felt the same way as I came across a lot of this stuff. But, uh, you know, the Lord snatched me up out of the gutter over 34 years ago and gave me a new life. And I have a passion and a fire for God. And one of the gifts that I have is uh, understanding. So reading God's word, I, I've been given understanding. Now, I don't have a corner on it. And I need to learn more. So I'm trying to just stay humble and continue to learn more, listen to other people's perspectives and that's where I really can gain. Uh, when, I, when I go to even HOD, those guys, they teach me more than anybody else because they're real and they can talk about what that word meant to them personally in their life according to their circumstances, which are different than mine. Yep. And it's, so I have to listen to hear that. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a definite process that, um, that has to be taken ser- very seriously. And um, it's like that old, that old adage. I don't know where it comes from, but drink deeply or sip not. I mean, that is, you know, when it comes to the scripture, that's that's right on the money. And it's like what I said last week. You know, um, sanctification is a process. Amen. And it is definitely something that takes time that you've got to really sink your teeth into if you want to become, you know, anointed, sanctified by the Lord. You've got to study. You've got to pray. You've got to really decide that this is a direction you want to take your life in. You can't just dabble in it at all. all right. so. so with all of that preface, people are probably saying, hurry up and get to the get scripture to the already. Story, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we're going to do that. And uh, here we are, Second Timothy chapter 2, starting with verse 11. 
Do you want to read? Sure, I will. The saying is trustworthy for, if we have died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. Amen. So just three verses right there. Let's go back to 11. And it's saying, it is a faithful saying. This is King James Version. For if we be dead with him, we shall also live with him. Now, in the scripture, there's so many uh, upside downs, I would call them, paradigms that are completely contrary to what we've been trained to and programmed to believe is truth. And in this is one of those great ones where it's saying, that this is faithful and true saying, right? That if we be dead with him, we shall also live with him. So what is that talking about? I, to me, would be along the lines of, of crucifying your flesh, dying in the flesh, trying every day to eliminate, because that's what we do living in the flesh as, as in a fallen world, as a sinful being, and we are, are going to wake up every day and it's immediately the flesh that is talking. You have to actively kill it and then live with Jesus. You've got to turn that flesh or try to kill that flesh and turn it off. It's like an a act yeah. of the will. It is you know? an act of the will. So you're, you're taking control over your will and saying, just like Jesus did in Gethsemane, yeah. not my will, but, but thy will be done. That's right. You now I hear certain pastors out there, and they, they think that they're coming across with a profound idea, and they say, well, you know, you never should pray uh, if it be God's will. You should always just assume it is, you know, and, and, and just pray with faith because you're not really saying with faith if, it, if you pray it's his will because, of course, it's his will. Well, Jesus prayed in Gethsemane, mm-hmm. not my will, but thy be done. That's right. And if Jesus is the perfect example, then why would I think that I should never do what right. he obviously did do? That's a good point. Exactly. So I, I totally agree with you on point with the being dead to self. So we've got, you know, we've got our own desires. We've got our will. We've got our ambitions. We've got our plans. And all of that stuff is me-centric. It's self-centered, and it's what we want. Now, you say, well, that's only natural. Yes, it is. But guess what, folks? We are not called to walk in the natural. Nope. We're called to walk in the supernatural. That's right. We, we come to a decision. This is one of the things I am just like to break things down to simplicity because complexity, I think people like to make things more complex than they need to be, and it's, to me, foolishness. So if you're genuine about a relationship with Jesus and you want to consult him like he wants you to, he wants you to consult him on every decision, then you're coming to a fork in the road and you make a decision with your will on which way you should go. But if you just do it on on your own without consulting God, then you're on your way to lostness. But if you come to every decision point in the road, every fork in the road, and you say, God, what should I do here? And I'm, I'm listening. I really want it your direction. A lot of times he's going to give you a direction. You know, he might say, go right here at this intersection. And, and you're looking and you see people going left and it's like, wow, you know, there's a lot of people going left and, and I hear music down there. There's a party. That looks like a good thing. I, I can see short-term advantage and I want to go left, you know, and it's your flesh that's calling you. And even to the direction that God's saying, saying going right, you're like, um, I don't get it. There's, I don't see nothing there. 
But see, that's exactly what God wants you to do is to trust him. Because if you yield your will to him in those moments and be obedient to his direction, God says he'll, pe- he'll cast a light on the path where he wants you to take your next step. And so when you're walking in the light, because you are children of the light, then you're never going to step into a pit or off of a cliff. You're not going to get your, uh, your eye poked by a branch in the dark because you're walking in the light and you can see where you're going. And so that's really just an, an illustration of how we walk with God and, and coming back to this decision of being dead with him. In Corinthians, I think it says that you, you, you enter into Christ's death when you're baptized, when you, when you, when you baptize people, we say, you know, buried with Christ in baptism and raised to walk in the newness of life. So you actually, we enter into this death with Jesus. And the idea there is that we're also dead to sin. It no longer has a hold on us. It's not our master. It's not our owner. And it has no legal right over us because of our relationship with Jesus. And, and what he died for was to pay the price for us breaking the law and for our sin. And so when we enter into that relationship with Jesus, we also enter into his death. And when we enter into his, just, into his death, we also enter into life with him. So our life, not just eternal life, yes, eternal life, but even a life on this earthly plane. We're entering into life on this earthly plane with him. And that's kind of how, you know, in, in, in the Lord's Prayer, when he says, thy kingdom come, thine will be done, he's talking about here on this earthly plane, not just someday your, your kingdom's going to come, yeah. but that through us yielding our will to him and letting him live through us, which is his plan, this is how he plans to communicate to the rest of the earthly pl- people on, on this earth is that his love is there for them is through yielded believers that let Jesus live in him, in her, so that all of the divine appointments that we have we're able to minister in the love of Christ to the people that are needing it. You know? That's how it gets real, y'all. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, there's see how much is there, just a few words, right? Yeah, just a few little few little sentences. <laughs> and so living with him, any ideas on what that means or what's the What's the benefit of living with him? He has, God has a design for us. It's flawless and perfect. When you're walking out a love relationship. Yeah, but, yeah. That's you a know, good it, way. I feel compelled to say this, though, that um, I, there's probably people out here listen, listening and saying, and you just know yourself like I know myself, and you're like, I can't do that, man. I, I'm, I know myself. I know I screw up every day. Well, you know, let me not take the position of a Pharisee and pretend like I got it all together because I don't. Neither do I. I. I screw this up. I sin. I mess up. I get selfish. I get angry. I, 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 you know, I've done things that are not pleasing to God since I've came to God. And that's where a right understanding of God's grace comes into the picture. I mean, God's grace can be misunderstood and you've got to go through the whole of scripture because it, it never contradicts itself. It always complements itself. But grace rightly understood, right, is not licensed to sin. But it is God knowing that we're walking around this fleshly body. We're doing battle in a, a spiritual plane, a fifth dimension, where all these angels and demons and temptation and all this stuff is going on. And we screw up, and we, we take our eye off, just like Peter took his eye off of Christ, and he started to sink. And that's what happens in our life. We, we take our eyes off the Lord, we start to sink. 
But just like uh, Jesus returned to Peter and grabbed him by the hand and pulled him up and he was back on top of the water, so also God will turn around and reach out to you and pull you up out of the muck and the mire that we get into. We just have to continue to be repentant and turn away from our sin and do our very best to yield our will to him. And it, it is not perfect. Even though the word says, be ye perfect as I am perfect, um, I think that's momentary. And yeah. then we have times when we are in perfect union with God. And then there's other times that we screw it up. Yep. But see, that's the thing about it. And going back to what you said a minute ago, it and it, it's something that kind of makes me sad too, that to know that, you know, based on what, we, what we've learned in, in, in Scripture is that every single person that walks on the face of this earth, God has a plan for every single person. And so many of us completely miss what that purpose is. We don't even, some people, I mean, some of us don't even get close, you know, to what it is. And for a long time in my life, I didn't get anywhere near close to it. You know, even though I was raised in a Christian home with really good, strong Christian parents, I was walking way outside my purpose for many, many years. And, um, you know, it took a lot to get back to, you know, what I was, where at least close to where I was supposed to be, because I don't want to try to, you know, uh, imply that I'm walking 100% perfect. I am not. But um, but there is a purpose for every single one of us. Um, you know, and I think about, I know this is kind of a weird um, analogy, but, you know, even like, you know, guys who are, you know, mobsters or whatever, gangsters, like some of the worst, you know, most, you know, evil people you could think of in this world, you know, serial killers, anybody, they've all got a purpose or, you know, have had a purpose. God has a purpose for every single one of those people. They just choose not to even come close to following it. But we can all find what that purpose is if we want to, you know, dig in deep with the Lord and give ourselves over to him 100% and, and walk in that. And, you know, there if you if you find let's say when you find that purpose through scripture through prayer when you get to that to at least close to that point it would be the happiest you'd ever been in your life the 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 you're in union with god yes you're your your um you know people who suffer with depression people who suffer with and i'm not saying that it would just 100% fix every problem immediately but you know when you're walking in unison with the Lord like that, there, you know, there there may not be any any depression left to have. I mean, I don't want to say there won't be, and you will be just awesome, and everything's, you know, hunky dory and roses. It may not be, but that's where you're going to find those things. So many times I've heard people say over and over, "What is my pur- What am I doing here? What is my purpose? What what are what are we doing here?" Well, this is it. This is the answer. This is how you find the answer to that. Amen. And there's, there's, you know, I'll hear, it's like I talked about last week, the atheists that I've been listening to and hearing what their what their words are and, and what they have to say against God. Well, all their stuff is on the surface. It's superficial. It's the things they say against God are superficial. They're not, they'll never understand the full deep meaning of what the purpose that God has for our lives, because they never will ever dig deep enough to find that. Well, and, and their spiritual eyes are closed. I mean, so you can't right, see right. spiritual truth. Even reading God's word, you won't be able to understand it. 
And that's why Jesus all the time he's saying, you know, you look, but you don't see. Yeah. You, 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 li- you hear, but you don't listen. You're listening to what you don't hear. And, and, and so, and you, and you don't understand. And, yeah. and so that's really where people are with that. And, and that's why we need to keep them in prayer. You know, we need to keep modeling the way and keep them in prayer and keep showing the love of Christ. Um, so check it out, you guys. This is verse 12. If we suffer, we shall also reign with him. One more time. If we suffer, we shall also reign with him. NIV says, if we endure hardship, we will reign with him. Yeah, mine says, if we endure, we we will also reign with him. All of those words have great meaning, Yep, every one of them. So let's just talk about suffering. I think that's a worthwhile topic to broach. Agreed. We we spend our life seeking comfort. You know, yep. I mean, in America, right, where it's all about, you know, having, uh, you know, your, your comfortable life, plenty of money in the bank, uh, a full belly, a boat, or, you know, things that you can enjoy and be comfortable and we try our everything, our, all our efforts are, are so that we can set ourselves up to avoid suffering. But check it out. This is saying, if we suffer, there's a contingency word there, if. If we suffer, we shall also reign with him. So if you look at the flip side of the coin, it's going to tell you, if we do not suffer, we shall not reign with him. So for the Christian, for the people that are going to be real about this thing, it's not about our comfort. There is going to be suffering because the more real that you represent Christ, guess what? Christ ruffled a lot of people's feathers. Christ told the truth without respect of persons. Christ wasn't trying to, to use words to get himself into a favorable position. He was trying to tell people the straight truth word of God. He was the living word of God. And because of that, People hated him. And and in the scriptures, it tells us that, you know, if they hated him, how much more will they hate us? If we represent him truly, they're going to hate you. So if you're not receiving some hate from people that are in this world, that's really kind of a sign that you might need to check your walk a little bit to see if you're being genuine and it isn't going out and purposefully ruffling people's feathers or saying things to tick people off. It's certainly not to try and go out there and judge other people or any of the stuff that religious nuts do. It's really about being genuine and walking out truth and love. Let's let's give you an example. I, I said something earlier in the program that was not politically correct. And that's on purpose because I can't tell the truth and be politically correct at the same time. God gave me a definition for political correctness. Want to hear it? I do. It's the appearance of what is right minus truth. <laughs> That's good. So it seems right, and you can make it seem like it's right. You can talk about it as if it's right, but they're talking about like, you know, six-year-old, seven-year-old, eight-year-old kids that they're wanting to give puberty blocker and drugs to and emasculate or change their sexual orientation which is irreversible at a time when they're young and impressionable and normally those things work themselves out in a few years and then you're, you're seeing these people that are growing up perverse and destroyed emotionally uh, physically psychologically yep. and, and it's because of a wicked agenda that's demonically inspired 
But right. it's politically correct, but it's absolutely biblically wrong. And so I would rather be biblically correct and tell the truth and suffer the consequences of political embarrassment or hatred by people that want to foist up a political agenda. Yeah. Because it's a lie dressed up as the truth. Yep. Well, you know, and and also talking about, you know, you said a minute ago about, you know, how much more will they hate us or hate you. Um, and if you want to see some hatred for Christians, get on YouTube and go look at a few street preachers. Preachers that are just, just trying to get the word out to people. And they're, they, they get them a soapbox and they go and get a microphone and a little amp and they go and stand up on that and talk about Jesus. And they do it in downtown L.A. or downtown New York or, you know, the beaches. Um, Manhattan on the beaches, things like that, Living Waters, you know, different ones that will go out and do Ray that. Ray Comfort. Ray Comfort. Yeah, you'll get, you'll see people come up to them and just with some of the most hateful things that I've ever heard for just because they're using the name of Jesus Christ, they will come up and just, you know, I mean, say some just horrific things to them. And um, but you see the hatred in their face and in their eyes, and you can hear it in their voice. And you're and all they all they did was mention one name, Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. They said that one name, name and that was enough. Yeah, the name above all names, and it's enough to turn people inside out with hatred. Well, and, that's because you know there's there's been portals opened and demonic forces are are let loose on this earth like never before. We are, I absolutely believe, uh, end time ministers. And, uh, you know, so much of this technology that we're even using right now uh, or that we hold in our hand in our cell phone. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think that the calculation I heard was that the, uh, the calculations that they say that were available through computing when they sent someone to the moon, even though I don't really believe anyone ever went there, <laughs> um, that it, these phones are one million times stronger, more powerful oh, than yeah. the most advanced computers of that day in the late 60s, early 70s when that was going on. Yeah. Well, you know, and, and, and whenever I was in art school back in the late 80s, early 90s, um, they we didn't have computers at all. Everything was on, you know, paper with a pencil and with an ink and paint, you know, and stuff like that. There weren't there was no Adobe, you know, Photoshop and Adobe Illustrator and all the kind of things that they've got out now. They had one computer back then. And uh, I, I just happened to remember the name of it. It was called a Dicomed computer, and it took up an entire room right, at our right. art school. And and it's you about know, the time I was in high school, yeah. And this was, you know, this was in. Yeah. Uh, I graduated in '86, so that would be. Um, wow. I was. I was. It would be about '87 or '88 whenever this computer existed. And you know, that was what was crazy about me going to art school. It's right after I got out of the, right after I graduated, everything went straight to computers. So I, everything I had learned in art school basically was completely obsolete when all the computer stuff turned around and came out and Max came You're not out. not obsolete, brother. I'm obsolete. <laughs> <laughs> no. But, yeah, it was crazy. I mean, Because I graduated several years before you, a decade before you. <laughs> was it a decade? <laughs> in the previous decade, yeah. yeah. The end of it. But, well, yeah. and it says, what does it say in, in the Revelation about, about um, um, in knowledge will increase? Yeah. And that's what it's doing right now. I mean, it's yeah, very it's exploding. much exploding. Yeah, exploding. And, and we can't even keep up with the pace of it. No. Uh, supercomputing, quantum computing, all this stuff that's going on. Yeah. So here it is again. If we suffer, we shall also reign with him. And 
that means that, like I said, it's in the program. If you're real, you're going to suffer. So you need to gear yourself up for that. That's right. Get your, thin, get your skin a little thick. Um, it's it's not important to be popular. It God just showed me that it's important to be right with him. That's right. And so um, being right with him is going to put you in the crosshairs of God's enemy. And there's a lot of people on his payroll. And even though a lot of them don't even know it, they're going to do the work of their father. And that's exactly what he told the Pharisees, the religious leaders of his day, that you're... You're of your father, the devil. You call them a brood of vipers. Brood These of are vipers. the religious leaders that studied all the text and hear the living word, the fulfillment of all of their scriptures was standing right in front of them, and they didn't recognize him. They didn't like that either. He was threatening their comfortable lifestyle. They didn't like to be called a brood of vipers. That really made them mad. <laughs> yeah, I imagine so. <laughs> and it's you know not what? a complimentary term. No, he didn't. he didn't care either at all. That he wasn't worried about their feelings, right, at all. So I thought that I think that's just wonderful. But you know, that's just you know, you're right, Nan. We are going to suffer um, if we want to get real. But you know, if you think about it, everybody, we live what eighty five, ninety years on this planet, and think about what eternity is. Just give it a thought for a second. Think about eternity. Think about. A thousand years or two thousand years, let's say ten thousand years. That's not even a drop in a bucket in the bucket for eternity. It's not. Ninety years is about all we get. That's nothing. So, That's so nothing. Whole, your whole life is going to pass by like a wisp of smoke. Yeah, like a wisp of smoke. Now, is this? Listen, everybody. Is is this really? I mean, do you do you care? Should you care that much about what this life brings you? The things that aren't of Jesus. The things that aren't of God, should you care about that at all? No. You really shouldn't. You should care about being in this word. You should care about doing what it is that, that he, his purpose that is out there for you. You know, I listened to a service um, from church this last Sunday to the church we had been, we normally go to, you know, and I still listen to the preacher every week. I right. do his, uh, his stuff is on uh, YouTube, so I listen to it, but... He, he was talking about discipling and what it was to be a disciple. And uh, he was talking about the um, uh, the young Jewish guys of, of that day, you know, and how their life was either, you know, be a, be a rabbi or do the work that their father did. You know, he was like, like with, with a lot of the disciples, they were yeah. fishermen. So they had either, you know, just decided to be fishermen or had tried to be a rabbi and weren't considered good enough by the, whatever the local rabbi was. He he would he would interview these young men, and um, they would decide, you know, eh, you know, you're not really what we're looking for, or yeah, come on. But when these disciples were chosen to be to follow the rabbi, they would have to, you know dictate their 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 notes they would have to you know they basically followed them everywhere they went i think they either cleaned their clothes or they did everything around these these rabbis mm-hmm. but the thing he talked about and i think this is something that that is going to get the point across to how closely we need to be doing this is these young wannabe rabbis they would say that they had the dust of the rabbi they were following on them meaning that they were walking so closely with that rabbi that they literally had the dust that that rabbi was kicking up on their clothes right. from him. 
that's what we're talking about as far as the closeness closeness that you need to be trying to achieve. Now, being able to achieve it is another thing, but trying to achieve that closeness. It takes effort. It yeah. does take a lot of effort, but um, but it's so worth it. So worth the effort to get to get to that point. I'm not to that point yet, but I mean, I can't say I am, but <clears throat> I'm trying to get there right. <laughs> as best I can. But, you know, having the dust on you, that's being close enough walking behind them that you want that dust all over you, you know? So my heart is also wanting to share something about suffering, you know, that, you know, God is kind of putting this in front of us for a reason. He wants you to prepare your heart to be able to handle suffering, not just to go through it like quietly, because the examples in the scripture, Paul in prison, and you're talking about nasty prison, not not nothing like anything that's going on in, in any prisons in America today, but you know, they're in dung up to their knees and rats around they're they're in a nasty environment. Yep. And praising God at midnight, you know. And so just in, in genuinely and spirit, you know, praising God that they were count worthy to suffer on his behalf. And, and so the, the, the suffering also comes with this humility. It brings humility. But um, it also, here's the, here's the acid test, y'all. When, when God says to us to pray for those who despitefully persecute you and to love those that hate you. So when you suffer at the hands of someone, you have to remember that it's not just this person. A lot of times there's a demonic inspiration behind that's goading them on. And you have to pray for and love that person so that they might have a chance to wake up before they die and come into a relationship with Christ so they don't have to suffer the persecution and suffering of eternal flames and separation from God in hell. And every Christian needs to be mindful of that fact and thinking about what it's like. I played a video that's on YouTube. You talked about that a couple times um, that call, that's called a letter from hell mm. to the guys that I minister to and even to youth groups that I've taught at times. And it's a serious wake-up about you know a young man who um, got into a car crash and ended up in hell when his friend was a Christian. So he wrote him a letter. And it's very dramatically written. And wow, it'll, it'll kind of uh, it'll put you back in your seat a little bit and make really? you think about things from um, the right perspective why it's so important that we go through suffering and still remain peaceful in our heart, still maintain love. Do not let the enemy steal your joy because a lot of times we're so caught up in America about everything that we think is fair. That's really an American phenomenon Mm -hmm. because a lot of people in the world in different cultures, they know that the world's not fair and you're not going to be treated fair. Um, in America, we spend so much time worrying about what is fair and arguing about what we believe is fair. Well, be, and a lot of it is because we're not wrapping our mind around the truth of God's word, That's right. which is upside down to the logic of this world. Yeah. So suffering is going to be part of the program. And then in this next verse connected with 12 is saying, if we deny him, he will also deny us. What do you think that's? Oh, that's you know, the way I think about it, that the first thing that pops into my mind when I hear that, and it's something that frightened me um, when I was a lot younger, I used to be embarrassed whenever we, my family would pray at restaurants. It used to embarrass me. And everybody would bow their heads and want to hold hands. And I was, 
you know, when I was in my teens, it would embarrass me to no end. And if the waiter would walk up or something while we were in the middle of prayer, I'd want to go like, come on, everybody, put your hands down. We're, this is ridiculous. You know, that's, that was kind of my, my thought process on it. And my dad used to say that to me. He'd go, if you're ashamed of me before man, then I'll be ashamed of you before my father. And I was like, oh, you know, I didn't even care back then. <laughs> you know what I mean? You know, now I look at that and I'm like, wow. You, you burned know something I mean? in there. Yeah, it I did. remember it still. Yep, I do remember it. That was a long time ago, too. So just so. as a little sidebar, um, you made me think of this. You know, we, we uh, the ministry, one of the ministries we do here called Jesus Burger, which is such an awesome ministry because you're just on the street with drug addicts, alcoholics, and prostitutes. It's the kind of people that Jesus sat with. You know, same kind of people. And then the, the Pharisees would look at him and say, you know, what, does your master know he's sitting over there with? And well, his response was that, you know, I, I came for the sick. Um, the people that are healthy don't need a doctor. That's right. Right? And so, you know, that's just being real again. And, and uh, but if we deny him, he will also deny us. A lot of people use that kind of in a, coercive way so that's something i think god despises i know it really doesn't settle well with me at all using god's word out of context to try and coerce someone into doing what you want them to do like even as simple as passing along a text or passing along a an email and sometimes it's a halfway decent message and i read it and i go oh that's awesome but if they put on there that if you're going to be ashamed of man, you won't send this on to 12 other people, you know. Yeah, oh, and yeah. they put that on there as a little caveat on the end. Instantly delete it. Yep. And any good that message was given is taken away by that um, bully tactic. Yeah, that coercion. Yeah, of trying to use God's word to coerce people into doing what you want them to do. That's so wrong. It's, not a, it's not a magic wand. It's not a recipe. No. You know, and you got to speak the truth in love. Yes. And and that's what we're supposed to do with people, not not to try and gain anything, not even our agenda, not our words going out there, but speaking the truth in love for their benefit so that the love of Christ will, will be manifest and known to them that they need to see Jesus with skin on them sometimes, you know, so that they, they can feel his love and sense the Holy Spirit by us bringing it to them for real. And, 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 you know, not looking for anything in return for ourselves. So if we deny him, he will also deny us, is connected with this idea of if we suffer. And so if we deny suffering, we're denying him because we're denying what he said in his word that we should be doing. We should be willing to be so real and so loving that we were not going to be politically correct. We're going to tell the truth because really, if you want, if you want me to ask it honestly and straightforward to you, you think it's loving for me to tell somebody I've got homosexual friends and, and believe me, I don't judge homosexual people. I'm not their judge. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying, oh, you're going to go to hell for that or anything. All I'm saying is that God's word proclaims this and that is a sin. And so to live in a lifestyle, any kind of lifestyle that is a sin uh, is going to separate you from God. Yep. And I don't care if it's adultery with your wife, you know, uh, some other lady who's not your wife or you're married or fornication, marriage outside of all these sexual sins are going to separate you from God. That's right. And telling someone that in love, in the right way, 
can help them come out of a sinful lifestyle and, and, and be saved. That's right, yeah. But if you if you think it's love, just because it's politically correct, to approve of and even glorify that lifestyle, you think you really have something to do with Christ? If that person dies in that sin and they end up separated from God, then you think that's love? I, I, I beg to differ. I, I don't think that's love at all. I think that's embracing a lie under the popularity of... Um, you know, what is politically correct? Just like uh, murder of an innocent baby. Yeah. You know, they've been doing that throughout the generations. America's very guilty of the blood of innocent babies yep. to the tune of 65 million or something. And um, I love a woman enough to tell her the truth that this is going to cause you great hardship in your life yep. and, and allow the enemy to tear you up throughout the years. And I've worked with ladies that have had some abortions and, and the forgiveness of Christ is there for them. But not to tell them the truth is not love. No. I agree. It's not. So, you know, it's, think, you're, you're stepping into this suffer zone when you bring these kind of topics up. Because right now, <laughs> I can already imagine some of the emails and, and the people that would <laughs> listen and, and, and start to spit some venom because they're so wrapped up in this agenda and believing the things that the world says above what God's word says. Yep. Well, that's, you know, I wonder, I wonder what, and, and, uh, you know, I did hear some of the, like I said, some of the atheists talk about what they believe is out there after they die. A lot of them think nothing, you know, it's just, uh, we just don't have any meaning at all that our lives are just a, a, a pure accident. That's going to mean nothing like we're, I don't know, dogs or something that would just, how bleak is that thought? I mean, how, yeah, how bleak? Mention, it takes a tremendous amount of faith <laughs> to believe that. Oh, yeah. A lot more faith than it takes to believe that uh, a creator created the creation. Yeah. I mean, you see a painting on the wall, you know that there's an artist. Right. You know, I mean, just, you know, if you look at, if you look at the, the, we're on a we're on a a ball, spinning in space, being held on an axis. That if it's just a little bit closer to the sun, we burn up, and if it's a little bit further away, we freeze. It's in the exact right, perfect spot, but it's there by accident, right? Totally by accident. Right. I mean, it just happened to happen. Yeah, it's statistic, oops, statistically impossible. Yeah, and so. Uh, let me continue on. Yeah, verse go ahead. 13. Sorry. Didn't mean to stop. Not at all. We're good, bro. It says in 13, it says, If we believe not, yet he abideth faithful. He cannot deny himself. So regardless of what way we go, God's faithful. He's not going to deny himself. He's not going to deny his word. It says in the scripture, Let every man be considered a liar, but the word of God is going to be true forever. It will outlast this world. And And so... I don't know if you have anything more to, on that particular verse. Or are you ready to jump into 14 and 15? Sure. That's fine. Okay, you want to read 14? Sure. Let's see. Oh, I flipped the page. Let me get back here. <laughs> Remind them of these things and charge them before God, not to quarrel about words, which does no good but only ruins the hearers. Mm. So I'll, I'll share King James because I... I See now. You know what? Let Big me, difference. Let there. me read that again. All right. I, I read it kind of weird. No, please do. Yeah. 
Remind them of these things and charge them before God, not to quarrel about words, which does no good, but only ruins the hearers. And there we go. It says, KJV goes, of these things, put them in remembrance, charging them before the Lord, that they strive not about words to no profit, but to the subverting of the hearers. You know, if, if someone walks in and two people that are professing to be Christians are arguing over God's word, I mean, first of all, have you ever been able to argue anybody into the kingdom of heaven? Not one time. And and so what happens is that people get put off. I've tried a time or two. Yeah. Even if it's not a full-blown argument, but it's words and, you know, what we're saying is absolutely in, in the eternity of things of no value. You know, so if we make our our concentration focus of our dialogue on sports, for example, what eternal value is that? None. Now you, I've seen some guys in the sports world that are, you know, love Jesus and can use some great analogies that they've learned from football, basketball, baseball, whatever, and they tie that together with the word of God to illustrate a point, and that's fine. But this is talking about words that are of no profit. And so it says, when we do that, it says, but to the subverting of the hearers. Subverting is not a good thing. That's not turning them on to Christ. It's actually repelling them from him. It's, it's, it's giving a bad example for Christ that, that turns people off, that they don't want to hear Anything else you got to say, and they'll start to judge all Christians based on those based bad on examples, yep. and and we can all do that sometimes. But uh, if we teach the truth in love, and we're humble, and we're hearing God, then we're much less likely to commit that error. When I came to Christ, I was so excited about the reality of salvation. You know that the Holy Spirit can live in you and broke every chain of bondage and addiction and, and I wanted everybody to know this awesome Jesus that I knew. It is awesome. It is an awesome thing. But what I did, I ran ahead of God a couple times and started to, you know, just talk to people about Jesus that the Holy Spirit didn't tell me go talk to that person. And 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 so when I did it in my own zeal, I actually created wounds and drove people further away from the kingdom of God. Even though that wasn't my intent, when I listened to the Holy Spirit, he revealed to me by some questions. He's pretty simple in his questions. Did I tell you to go talk to that guy? Did I have his heart prepared to hear that word yet? No. So then it was a Dan thing, running ahead of God. I'm a lot like Peter, and I I, I really resonate with that, that zealousness, mm-hmm. and which is good, properly channeled. But when it's not, when it's of self um, or in the flesh, then it, it does damage, and it's not good to, to run ahead of God. So I have to not lag behind, not run ahead, but stay in step. Yep. You know. And then what happens is God prepares somebody's heart. who He arranges a divine appointment, and if my heart is right, and I'm hearing the Lord, and I'm walking in the light, then, like even today, right before coming here, I'm getting gas in my wife's truck, and there's a lady, um, and she's got this Jamaica shirt on, and I just noticed this awesome countenance on her, and I just said, ah, Jamaica, it's irate, Ming. You know, and she says, uh, oh, yeah, man. I just got there. I just got back, and she's getting ready to go on another trip. So she was full of joy. Uh, but she noticed that my shirt, and it's got the cross and the, made up out of the face of the lion. And 
so right away this conversation goes to Jesus and, and she was a believer. Good. But it was just a joy-filled opportunity. And, you know, before I left that station, I was able to pray for her and, and just pray God's blessing on her. She received every bit of it. And it That's was just awesome. one of those divine appointments that I you know, pray that we'll get to see each other again this side of eternity. But if we don't, I got a friend in heaven that was, oh, you know, I met you at a gas station, right? Yep. And, it, and so, uh, you're you know, so, you're so good at that. You, I, I can't do that like you can. Just walk up to somebody at a gas station and start praying for them. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> it didn't start with prayer. It just starts with small talk. You I know? know, but you're good at that. You do it all the time, and <laughs> you're just really good at that. Yeah, you know, the story that um, I was going to tell earlier when you were talking about um, praying for somebody at, and uh, it was a restaurant or something. Yeah. What, one of the things that um, I learned from my brother Gary Don Holly is so amazing. We just went out to lunch together. We were doing some classes in the church together and we went um to lunch and uh the lady comes up and and, and he's just this super soft super loving spirit oh um he is it's, it's amazing uh, amazing like for real yeah i i actually suspected the guy had you know what's his angle what's he trying to work here right he's so loving that he's he like i've never met nobody this loving but he, he really is genuine yeah and and loves jesus like that and so you know, the waitress comes up and he says, excuse me, sister, uh, we, we just are ministers of the Lord and we, we just like to pray for people that are serving us because we're just servants too and we just want to lift up. And, you know, that lady was like in tears, wow. confessing things that you don't talk about in public at at your customers in a restaurant and, and, and really wanted some prayer. Yeah. And, and so that... That Im- impacted me so profound that I was like, man, I'm adopting this habit. And we've been doing it for years and years. That's awesome. And so everywhere we go, I don't care if I'm out of this United States or, you know, anywhere, you know, any restaurant, just, hey, you know, we're we're just trying to listen to the Lord and, and, and be obedient. And is there anything we can pray for you about? And, and you know, I've, I've had a number of occasions where people have really been in a tight spot and, and broke down in tears. And, you know, I remember one lady was, you know, she had just started crying when we asked her if she needed prayer. Yeah. And and so we're like, well, what's going on? And, and she says, you know, I, I, I've been living with my boyfriend. And, and she's just a young lady, maybe 20 years old. She said, my family disapproved, but I, I didn't care. I just went live with him anyway. And um, and now, you know, he's being abusive. He beats oh, me. Oh, man. And so she said, I, I just packed my stuff today and left. But I don't know where to go. When I get off work this afternoon, I don't have anywhere to go. And 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 just that opportunity of breaking the ice. So the, the guy who was with me and his wife was a pastor in that city. And and he had a ministry for young people and he had a place where she could stay. And he was like instant, like right there. This is a divine appointment. And he was able yep. to, you know, share the love of Christ in a tangible way with her. Yeah. But the connection was made just simply by That's so cool. Praying and just saying, Hey, is there anything I could pray for you about? Yeah. You did that once at the restaurant when we were all eating after church on Sunday, that, that waitress member, she came over to us and I don't, I do I, it every time. So I don't yeah, remember. I remember it. One, yeah. It was at that diner like place. I don't even know if they're in business. Right across from Posados uh, or not okay. Posados, uh, Papacitas. Yeah. It was kind of like a fifties diner kind of a place. Oh yeah. 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 So we went and ate there one Sunday after church and you, the waitress comes over right at the end. She brought the bill and you were like, Hey, you just, same thing, but I'll tell you what, man, you've got that Gary Don impression down. You sounded <laughs> just like him just now. 
That's my brother, man. Oh, he is guy. awesome. He is a great guy, and I hope to get him on this podcast at some point. Yeah, uh, we will. I would like to get him on here multiple times. Actually, I think he'd be an amazing oh, addition yeah. to this. Yeah, we definitely will. Y'all, y'all fall in love with Gary Dine, just oh, like we do. Definitely. Yeah, he is one of the most loving, caring people. It's like he was talking about this. Uh, I think it was Alan that said um, he's going through cancer, and just at his weakest. And, Calling and checking on him to see if you need, and he turns it or flips it around and yeah. starts wanting to help you, you out. Yeah, yeah, praying for you. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and he's like grateful for cancer for yeah. real. Yeah, well, not fake. He's like, I yeah. get to be in the hospital where these people need Jesus, and I would never met him, and yep. I get to pray for him, and oh, you know, and just we're on dialysis or not dialysis, but with a chemo, chemo, and, yeah, um, and you just get to lift up families, and I, you know, I never would have got to go there yep. if Jesus didn't get me. Let me have cancer. Yep. If we endure, we will also reign. Uh, he will. Al- we will also reign with him. Hallelujah. Endure is a good word too. Endure is a good word because uh, that reminds me of like running. I was a runner when I was young, and uh, you know, hundred pounds ago, and a lot of years ago. And, and my wife was a really good runner. But when when you're running, you know, you, you reach this point where you hit something called the wall. Yeah. I've heard Anybody who run knows what that means. And so you're actually, your whole body's just screaming, stop, stupid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just turn around. <laughs> just stop right here. I can't take it no more. But the amazing thing is if you push past the pain. Yeah. And you continue to say, your, your brain tells your, your body, no, you belong to me. You do what I say. I'm running this show. And you push past the wall. Then all of a sudden you get to the, go into this sweet spot yes. of autopilot yep. where your body just is mechanically doing whatever and you can just go on for like 10 miles and, and, and your mind can be somewhere else completely. You're yep. Praying, thinking, and music or the problems that you're going through. And yeah, I used to get that with riding thing. bikes. Same, yeah. same difference. You'd hit that, that spot where you're just like, and the first time it happens to you, it's like, what is this? I mean, did I just become a bionic man or something? I mean, it's so weird. Yeah. And the reason I brought it up is because we're talking about this in the sense of suffering. Yeah. And you know that you can get to a place of suffering where you're totally enraptured in the Holy Spirit and moving in the power of Christ Jesus. It's not even you now. And so you're able to endure the suffering because the love of Christ and moving in his strength and not your own. Yep. So, All right, verse 14. Verse 14. Didn't we just read it? Oh, we did. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Of We're these actually, things, put them in remembrance, charging them before the Lord that they strive not about words, no profit, but to the subverting of the hearers. So 15. Yeah, 15. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. In KJV, they're saying, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So, uh, studying to show thyself approved. And, you know, there's a lot in this, and this is something that I, I put in a lot of my messages and um, that when I remind people, look, I'm telling you something heavy here, but I don't want you to believe what I say just because I said it. 
I want you to go look for yourself. I want you to study, you to look it up, you to pray, you to spend your time on your knees, you ask God what it means. You look in the dictionary, you go back to this source or that source, Google it, whatever, figure it out, and and study to show yourself approved unto God. And it says a workman needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Well, guess what that means? A workman is somebody who's doing the work. If If you're not doing the work, then you can't define yourself as a workman. If you just believe something on what somebody else says, like this, all these pastors up there that people are like, oh, it's his job to study the word, and then he just tells me what it means, and then I believe it. Yeah. You are so easily being led astray. And so you, God doesn't intend for it to be that way. He wants us to do the work ourselves. He wants us to study. And it says that we need not be ashamed. In other words, if you're not a workman and you're not putting in the time you will be ashamed mm-hmm. because you'll be misled. See, because the devil, he always will like to use the scripture. The devil's a better student of scripture than any of us, y'all. Oh, for sure. And what he does, he'll take a verse of scripture and he'll mix it with a lie and he'll feed it back to you as the truth. That makes the most believable kind of lie. Yeah. Because somebody who's not a workman will hear that truth in the statement that'll resonate with them and then they'll swallow the lie because they haven't done the work. Yeah. So in, in, I'll take you back to the scripture and show you an example. All the way back in the book of Genesis, where the, the serpent was talking to Eve, the serpent, of course, inhabited by the spirit of Satan, was talking with Eve, and he says to her, Surely you will not die, but rather being as gods, knowing good and evil. Mm-hmm. And so he's presenting to her this this bit of truth that she identified with, saying, you know, you're going to be like God, that you're going to know the difference between good and evil. You'll know good and evil. And and she knew good. There was nothing in that garden but good. Yeah. But she did not know evil. And so like God, she would be able to know good and evil if she disobeyed God and ate the forbidden fruit, which, by the way, wasn't an apple, y'all. It was no. just called a forbidden fruit. We forbidden don't know what fruit. It was. Yep. So it was knowledge of good and evil. And so she ate from the tree, but see, she swallowed the lie because the contradiction of God's word that he says, in the day that you eat thereof, you shall certainly die. And so the devil said, surely you will not die. And so he mixed that lie in with the truth. She believed the whole thing and, and buying into a great lie was deceived and sin entered the, the world. Yep. And by the way, y'all, <laughs> case you don't know where adam was like i used to think of imagine in my mind that she ran later to him someplace and said here try some of this yeah. <laughs> it says she gave to adam who was with her so in other words he was standing right there right and he wimped out yep he did not protect her he did not contradict the serpent he didn't say hey wait a minute god said we will die he just let her eat it and then he ate it then tried to blame it on her and blame it on god even yeah Oh, yeah, the woman you you gave gave me. me. Right. Yeah, that's right. Blame it on God is what I meant to say. That that is what he did. Yeah, well, you're right. He blamed it on both of them. Yeah, Yeah, it's her fault and your fault. It had nothing to do with me. (laughs) So, study. Do the work yourself so that you can figure out, and and check this, you guys. It says, a workman not be ashamed, need not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. How do we divide the word of truth? So let, let you let the Holy Spirit guide you. Okay. So if you do the work, right, and you and you do the study, 
And then you're going to be able to identify when someone's telling you something and it's part true and it's part false, you're going to be able to identify the lie. Yeah. Because you've done your work. Right. And you know what that word says. And the Holy Spirit's going to say, that's not me. Yeah. Or if it is truth, then God's going to corroborate and say, yeah, that's me. And and so here's how it works. I'm watching a, a televangelist, real, real famous guy. Uh, big churches, ministries, jet planes, the whole nine, right? And he's, he's big. And he's real country. And, and so... Uh, Come on, who is it? I'm not going to say. Oh, why not? You'll, you'll know from my impression. I'm going to do the impression. Oh, okay. So here's how he says... Here's what he said one day. And I'd, I'd listened to him a couple times. I was repulsed by what he said. And I, I was strengthening up my resolve never to hear him again. But then I, I just was checking myself and my conscience with God and saying... Look, am I, am I being too judgmental? Am I really, like, you know, judging this guy wrong? He's got a huge, huge ministry, huge following, a lot of things happening. And if, if, I'm, if I'm wrong, God, humble my heart and, and, help, and show me my error. And so I turned him on. Within five minutes, this is what he said. Jesus suffered on the cross and died and went to hell and burned there for your sin and mine. And if you don't believe it, then you've got to go because the work isn't finished yet. Yep. Jesse Duplantis. No, close, though. Similar. It's, uh, Kenneth Copeland. Oh, well, okay. They're buddies. Now I said. So yeah. anyway, this man was contradicting God's word and using intimidation and bully tactic to intimidate people into believing what he said that was not gospel. Yeah. Or else they would go to hell, as if he could judge that. Yeah. So I was very repulsed. Because what is Jesus' last words on the cross? It is finished. It is finished. So he's saying, if you don't believe it, then you got to go to hell because the work's not finished yet. Yeah. Like the work had to be finished by Jesus suffering, burning in hell. Very lot of people are, are teaching that nonsense. It's not scripture, y'all. No, it is not scripture. So when we, when we start concocting doctrines and dogma that are not founded on god's word that's a recipe for error and a recipe for a cult yep so when you take the scripture out of context and you build a doctrine around it that is the recipe for a cult so if you study to show yourself approved unto god then you're going to be a workman and you will have no need to be ashamed because the holy spirit's going to confirm because of the word of God, which is alive in you, that this is him or no, this is not him. And so you won't have to be ashamed by being deceived because the Holy Spirit's going to wake you up. Yeah, That's sure. why even in Matthew 24, it's talking about this great deception that will come. It says the deception in the latter days will be so strong that it would deceive even the very elect if it were possible. Yeah, And praise God that if it were possible is is in there because that means as far as the elect is concerned, which is the real, not the churchy, but right. the ones that are genuine, then they're not going to be deceived because the Holy Spirit will reveal truth to them. Yeah, that's right. Because a workman doesn't need to be ashamed because they know that word and they know the truth. Yep. And that's something that uh, Paul is doing in Second Timothy here also, is telling Timothy not to be ashamed. Well, not not so much of of just being ashamed of the word itself, I think. Isn't that right? right. Isn't that well, what he's doing? Especially not of the word itself, Especially right? not of the word, but... Because Jesus is the word. Yeah. 
And that was in Revelation 2 today. It was a revelation to me why Revelation is <laughs> in there as well. That living word is Jesus. Yeah. It's in John chapter 1. It's in First John. It's in Revelation. Jesus is the word. In the, begin, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Amen. John 1, 1. John 1, 1. Right. That's right. Well, brothers and sisters, I think. Yeah, time's up. I'm going to wrap this up with a prayer and <laughs> thank you so much for coming along yes. for this crazy ride today and into the a little bit of deep water yeah god's word i hope somebody was uh, able to tie that onto your heart and, and bring it up later and chew on it some more definitely do the work y'all yes read it on your own we'll put some resources out there for you to uh, do some extra curricular studying and things like that so you can really really dig in deep and then like i said last time we're going to um you know, do some emails and and uh, maybe eventually some call-in stuff or email-type stuff and things like that and answer some questions, I think, would be... Wherever God leads. Wherever God leads us, that's right. So, anyway. How about I pray us out? Yeah. Well, Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this divine appointment today, for this opportunity to meet through the Internet. And uh, people can, can hear your word go out. And I pray that there were some people that were challenged, and I pray there were some people that were blessed. I pray that um, ultimately that your word will go out and do its work, and then it will not return void. There's people that need you so desperately, Lord. And I pray you just reveal your truth to them and your love to them. I pray that people can come to salvation as a result of what you're doing here today, Lord, that the people can come into deeper water, deeper understanding. Repentance can take place, the families will be protected and marriages will be saved, that addictions can be broken yes. and bondages of every kind and that people can have hope come alive because we're living in a really dark place and, and you're the light. You're the light of the world. That's right. And all of us are supposed to be like cities on a hill. We cannot be hidden. And so we want to shine the light of Christ. The love of our eyes is Christ. And, and we don't want to ever let that light become darkness. So help us to check ourselves, Lord, and help us to keep ourselves right. Examine our motives. Lord, and forgive us for where we screw up. And, Lord, we want to pray that um, just a, th- a thank you for your grace and your favor for us and your mercy. And, Lord, I just pray that um, somebody out there hearing this today will, will just get down on their knees and ask you whatever it is in their heart that's burning the most and that you're going to answer that. And so we're so grateful for moving and changing lives today. And my brothers and sisters, I, I hope they just realize they can talk to you and, and in a way that it doesn't have to be King James speech and doesn't have to be practiced. They can just talk to you just like you're their best friend and that they can know that you're going to hear their heart and, and perfect those words anyway. And that, uh, that your love will be manifest in them and that there'll be those that whose lights will come on bright and burn ever so bright. And and we can build each other up in love. And so we're so grateful for the opportunity to be an encouragement and to be used by you to share your love and your light and your hope with our brothers and sisters who we love. Yep. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.